All right, Bumblecast for Monday, March 21st in three, two, one. Bidna, stop nuzzling the mic stand and making noise. <laughs> I was going to say. Yes, you're adorable. Stop it. Son of a gun, it's time for another Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. Well, hot dang. This is a rootin' tootin' place to be on a Monday Monday day. Hello, Ian. What's up? Howdy there, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't know we were going full into it, but we might as well. Oh, boy. Oh boy, here we go! I don't no, know where I, we're no, going. I'm not. I'm not maintaining that for an hour. I don't even know what I was doing. So <laughs> a little more of a falsetto home sar, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm a song from the sixties, and also with you. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm glad that our connection is holding up a bit better today, I think. So far, so, so far. good. So I'm tempting fate by... the demons. I am tempting fate by bringing it up, but, uh... <laughs> I mean, we'll find out, won't we? We will, we will. And how we're going to find out is we're going to do today's patron-sponsored episode. We've got nothing but priority Q&As. From our lovely patrons over at patreon.com backslash bumblecast, kofi.com backslash bumblecast, and our YouTube subscribers. All right. Yep. And uh, I had a question for this week, but then somebody asked the same question in our email. So that's going to be coming on Wednesday. And they did a better okay. job wording it. So I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. Fine. So we'll just wait till Wednesday to get the answer on what I was going to ask about. So in the meantime, though, we got a question here from Scruffy Matt to start us off. Greetings, friendos. All right, let's have a big debate. Which is the better version of Sonic's theme, It Doesn't Matter? Sonic Adventure or Sonic Adventure 2? And which of the two games do you think had the better soundtrack overall? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to probably ruffle a few uh, feathers and say that. It's SA1 in both cases. Really? Yep. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Why for? Why? I don't know. I Overall, I feel like SA2 just has more of a more consistent soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, SA2 is, is outstanding, yes, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I definitely prefer uh, Open Your Heart. To live and learn, live and learn, still a great song. Don't get me wrong, but uh, and open your heart. I, that song, open your heart, blew my freaking mind. I was like, what is this? What is this kind of music doing in a Sonic game? <laughs> it's like I don't understand. I'm confused and scared. Um, as Sonic Adventure One did reuse some songs from Sonic 3D Blast. Which was actually kind of cool for me as being a fan of like remixes and stuff because it's like, whoa, okay, cool, a new interpretation, a new sound. So, uh, but SA2 soundtrack is legendary and it's great for a reason. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but I don't know, man. There's just something about SA1 soundtrack for me that's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just the good stuff, you know. It's just, just it just hits right. So, and uh, yeah, the theme songs. The character theme songs in SA1 are all better except for Eggman's. Eggman's is an improvement <laughs> in SA2. And, uh, I mean, obviously we can't compare Rouge and Shadow's themes because they didn't, they weren't in SA1. So, but, uh, I mean, I do love Rouge's themes and Knuckles' themes too. So, but there's also Speed Highway at Dawn. I mean, I can't argue with that. <laughs> the uh that's the one that plays in nut for uh knuckles when you're in speed highway 
Mm-hmm. That's good stuff right there. <sighs> I don't know. What do you think, Ian? I'm on the other end of the fence. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like the faster tempo. Well, now we must fight. That's well, internet law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's finish the show first. <laughs> okay. And then it's Lance's at dawn. Um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like the faster tempo mm-hmm. for It Doesn't Matter is more appropriate for Sonic. I guess. I mean, and let me preface this, you know, both are great. I oh, enjoy yeah. them both. But I feel like the one is more appropriate. And along that vein, I feel like the SA2 soundtrack feels more Sonic-y. <laughs> I know. I know uh, this it, is going to probably be like a big thing where people will be like, hey, hev- like heavier drums, a heavier focus on solid bass lines and stuff. Not across all the tracks, of course, but it's more prominent in the two and is generally a more fast paced soundtrack. I know there's differences like Lost Colony is not very fast paced. All of Knuckles' things are a little more laid back, but that's because that you're meant to explore. You're not racing to the end of it. Right. Um, I adore Sonic Adventure 1's soundtrack, but I feel like it's more experimental. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's kind of all over the place, and it does a lot of fun and neat things, but it doesn't feel like a Sonic soundtrack in some ways. I guess, I suppose. I mean, when, when you define you know, what is a Sonic soundtrack, you yeah, it's hard. It's hard to define you're, you're what is that. a Sonic yeah. soundtrack exactly. It's yeah. very, very subjective. But that's just my personal take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Lost World. Lost World's got some gorgeous Lost tracks in it, but it sounds like a Mario game. It yeah. sounds like a Mario Galaxy game. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a Sonic game. A little bit, yeah. Of course, it pretty much was a Mario Galaxy game, but that's another topic entirely. <laughs> yes and it's it's uh i don't know it's pretty subject subjective overall honestly but i i'm i don't know i'm just i'm just more of a i'm just more of a fan of sa1 soundtrack and i'm also more of a fan of sa1 in general so maybe that's part of it no there you go <laughs> i mean i like it I, i'd love sonic adventure too it's a great game but i i don't know i'm just a i'm just one of those weirdos but i will say that <laughs> yes the Green Forest, Green Forest song, Won't Stop, Just Go, it's freaking fantastic. Amazing. Absolutely, absolutely banging. Same with uh, Metal Harbor. Metal Harbor I was is, say, dude. Metal Harbor is a, incredible. In freaking credible. Absolutely love it. If you've not heard the, uh, the same version done by the Sonic Adventure Music Experience of uh metal harbor you're you're missing out you gotta look that up it's fantastic so very very good very good i like them all so i mean i mean it's a sonic soundtrack and generally you can pretty much be assured that you're getting mostly good stuff across the board generally so that's kind of how it goes so we're splitting hairs at this point really yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did say, "Do what do you think had the better soundtrack?" And that's yeah, that's the key word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they're both great. To be honest with you, I think they complement complement each other well too. Like you can listen to them both together, and they're they're good. They're good together. All right, let's move on to this question here from Noni. Hello there. I was curious and was driven to ask. Have you had any moments while you were reading a comic or watching a TV or movie series that had one moment that just made you go, you know what? I'm done. Bonus round. Moments that were so bad you stuck around due to some sort of bile fascination. Yes, but the one that immediately springs to mind was a stage show that we saw. And now I can't remember the exact name of the play, but the premise is, uh, okay, first off, it's they have this one particular episode from the Simpsons playing on loop in the lobby because it is a central point within the play. It's the, uh, it's one of the sideshow Bob episodes where they spoof Cape fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the premise of the play is it is the post apocalypse and it's three stages of post nuclear world society. And the selling point is the idea that the Simpsons are such a 
cultural milestone that you see how the story evolves as humanity continues. So act one is, you know, shortly after the fallout and a group of survivors get together and in an attempt to find some levity, they're like, Hey, you remember that one episode and they laugh about it. And then act two is society's moved on and you see a group of traveling performers and they are reenacting television down to the commercials and they're recreating the Simpsons episode because it has become part of the mythology. It is the story to be told. And then the third one is society has regressed to almost Grecian levels of pan, uh, amphitheater performance. And the, ep, the ep, Simpsons have devolved into these mythic characters and that it's you know a full on legend at this point, which in principle, I think is a very interesting idea to explore. Yeah. The problem is the episode that they reference isn't of itself a lampoon. So it loses some of its context. Yeah. And number two, they don't actually use that episode. (laughs) They use like a scene or two out of it, but they don't actually reference the episode much. And by the end of it it is such a broad pastiche of Simpsons tropes that it could have just been anything from the series. Mm hmm while the marketing and the framework is specifically this one. And they, again, have it on loop in the lobby before the show starts. And it became so deeply entrenched up its own rectum that it stopped being an interesting topic to explore. And it became that high art in quotation marks thing where they're being so brilliant and expressive with their message. And it's like, (laughs) we're stuck in like the literal middle of the audience. And as part of the eco-friendly message, everything is run on like the most basic lighting power. So if we were to try to sneak out and open the doors, it would blast this pitch black auditorium full of light. And it's like, well, we're here now. We can't really escape. We're, we're just going to sit through the whole thing. Cause I don't even think there was an intermission. I think you had to just endure. Oof. And it was, it's one of those things where I can, I can see what they were trying to do. And I'm sure there's somebody out there who will know what I'm talking about. It's like, no, you just don't get it. You don't get the art. No, no, no. I get it. I really do. And if it worked for you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. For me, it felt like it was a poor execution on an interesting concept. And it overstayed its welcome. And just, yuck. Yuck. I, I've been informed that you are making it sound better than it was. And that's saying <laughs> something. <laughs> well, I feel somewhat vindicated then. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. I don't even I don't even know how to follow that up. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Uh, I I'm I'm sitting here like generally when I start something I tend to see it through, but I mean I know there's plenty of things where that's that's happened where I have just not gone back to something, but I can't think of like anything where I've like been been like okay I'm I'm done with this. Maybe I mean, it was maybe well here's the thing I hmm. I don't know. I can't because I finished it. I finished Sonic Lost World, but I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I only finished it because I was streaming it. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. If you go back through the Bumblecast archives, you'll find my Bumblecast gaming playthrough of uh, Sonic Lost World. And there's stuff to like about it, but overall, it was just kind of a frustrating mess that kind of left me feeling kind of hollow and was like okay (laughs) and so yeah it was really annoying me so um but i i don't know like hmm i've never walked out of a movie theater i've fallen asleep in movies (laughs) (laughs) like like i fell asleep in the middle of sea biscuit a movie is like a million zillion hours long though (laughs) yeah so, um, but I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too forgiving. Don't know. We bailed on Game of Thrones after they butchered the Sand Snakes arc. I think everybody bailed on Game of Thrones for the yeah. most part, except for a few people. Uh, this one might ruffle some feathers, but bailed on Korra after season one. Yeah, I know you did that. Which it, is... it started off so well, and then it started falling apart into all these really bad tropes, and then it didn't make any sense by its own internal logic and rules, and it's like, okay, okay. I know people really enjoy the later seasons, and you know, maybe I'll go back and give it another chance, but that first season soured me a lot. Santa's funny, because I loved Korra, and I liked it better than original Avatar, just, by, just by, maybe by a hair. I love them both, but... I mean, the characters, but but season one is rough. Yeah. And I really liked how different Korra was from Aang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the exact polar opposite. Ha ha. Northern water tribe. That's a geographical pun. But the the story just. okay. no, no, no. Not going. Not going there. Not going there. Yeah. Season one is rough, but uh, it gets better. Gets better. All right. Let's move on to this question here from Jim's. Hey guys, so there's been evil slash bad characters shown with the white parts of their eyes as black instead. Robotnik and Old Archie, Metal Sonic, Finitivus, Eclipse, Eraser Jin, etc. I assume this was an indicator that the character was otherworldly or robotic, but some Mobian designs have shown this too, like Clutch and Mimic. Were these evil eye Mobians born looking this way, or did they grow in having them over time? If not, I imagine their parents were mortified seeing their newborn baby with pitch black eyes. I know it's most likely just because it looks metal as hell, but was wondering what your thoughts are on how they're viewed in the universe, since it seems to be a great indication on who the real bad guys are. Um, hard to say. Like, with Rough and Tumble, I know their eye color was dictated by Sega. Um, but I wasn't as involved with the mimic and clutch design. So I don't know if that was the same there, but I'm thinking just for the sake of lore to say it's a coincidence because otherwise, yeah, it's like, Oh, here's a bouncing baby boy. Who's got the yellow and red eyes. Dad gummit. Forget about nature versus nurture. They're just evil straight out of the womb. (laughs) Yeah. It makes it, makes it uh, pretty obvious. It's like, hmm, whoops. Well, now we know. Oh, well. Here's one from El- Elks120. Could someone from Dodonpa's planet have originally designed the Omochao? They seem to make great stuff for racing events, after all. I am confident that was not the mindset at the beginning, but, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea to retcon. I don't know. It worked out. <laughs> I kind of like it being a mystery. Yeah, it's, uh, there's all sorts of mysteries in Sonic lore, like the lore. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one from Invade Turbo Tunis. With the now announced Sonic Movie 3 being in the works, what are your two's biggest hopes and predictions you would want to see make it on the big screen? I, for one, would love if they bring in Roger Craig Smith and Mike Pollock to have at least a cameo slash voice role in some capacity for the motion picture. I agree, but I'm going to have to abstain because I know things. You know things about the third movie, even? Man, you are. I I know things. You are in the know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm kind of reining back on the whole hashtag knowing smile thing. Yeah. Because at this point, it's just lockjaw. (laughs) You can't even smile. Yeah, you you can't do anything. I mean, it's going to be like the Jack Nichols and Joker look thing at all times. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. I would I would love to see Roger and Mike in in the movies. Um, I, I feel kind of weird having them not voicing their iconic characters, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, you know, it's like Mario. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm scared and confused. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh man. Let's see what else would I like to see from a Sonic 3 movie. Oh okay, first of all, I want them to have a hard time making it. Uh, th- there's a reason for this. 
I want them to have a hard time making it and to where they can only they only end up being able to release half of it. <laughs> and then they have to do a fourth movie, which is actually the rest of the movie. And then they release uh like a special thing where you gotta like put them together, like lock on you gotta lock them on with each other, and then you that's how you get the whole movie. So See, and they change it they cha- and they change a few things in, between the two versions too. So they're not like identical. Like if you play them separately, they're both great movies on their own, but you play them together, they make some slight changes and do some other weird things to make it even better. So, yeah, that's what I want. They could call the first one Sonic 3 and then the next one after that maybe something like Sonic and Knuckles, maybe? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It might be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Someone someone should do that. <laughs> That's what I want from the Sonic 3 movie. I was going to say, and with today's digital technologies and prints of the films, it probably wouldn't be impossible to do something like that. No, it wouldn't. It would kind of suck, though, honestly. For <laughs> it a, would. I... In terms of like having a satisfying narrative. I'm afraid someone will hear you and say, hey, that's a good idea. It's not can be done. It's not a good idea. Don't do that. Please don't. Someone, please don't actually do that. Like, well, I mean, this was common a few years ago where they were always splitting the last movies in a long running series into two just so they could (laughs) drag it out longer. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Although I don't know if like they have an end in mind for the Sonic movies. Are they going to keep making these as long as they make money? I mean, that's what Sega that's been Sega's MO with the games for 30 years. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Here's a question from Axis. What do you think about the Sonic Channel stories from last year? Did you like them? What were your favorites? Also, question for Ian, are you able to use elements from these stories when writing games and comics? Elements like the Egg Graviton or Sonic and Blaze Fire Tornado Tag Team Attack, perhaps? Uh, I missed out on a few of them. I need to hunt them down. Mm-hmm. But overall, I enjoyed them. They are delightful. Uh, I especially liked Blaze's story because it's like, mm. oh, she's fighting headless zombie Captain Whisker. That's freaking metal as hell. <laughs> um, And as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to treat them as, you know, semi-canon as canon as the comics are and we'll kind of follow their lead um unless otherwise corrected so yeah i i consider those elements on the table Mm. good elements to have on the table i'll take it and uh hey sticks was in him so there we go there's an element that could be on the table fingers crossed there's one from dream So in the Forces prequel comic about Knuckles and Silver, Knuckles waves off the sudden appearance of Chaos from the Master Emerald as if it wasn't some big deal. Does this mean Chaos and Takal can just pop out of the Master Emerald whenever they like? Do they keep Knuckles company? Do they play Go Fish together? Or is that only when Big inconspicuously shows up? (laughs) I am working under the idea that Takal and Chaos are at rest in the Master Emerald, but that they can appear if necessary. Because Chaos does show up in the story of Sonic Battle. And yeah. Battle has to be canon because Gemeral is built off of Emerald. So it, it makes enough sense to me. Um, we ran into a bit of a speed bump with Neo Metal Sonic's arc about that, but it's not crucial. So, And it's Knuckles. Once something is commonplace to him, he's not going to get that ruffled about it. So sure, Chaos was a big deal when he first fought him. But now it's like, oh, yeah, it's chaos. I know. So you just happen to know this mutant child that's thousands of years old that can transform into an angry kaiju ocean. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. <laughs> it happens regularly. <laughs> that would be a good way to um, make it so that Knuckles could actually leave the freaking island if to call and chaos could. Maybe take over guardian duties for a little bit while Knuckles mm-hmm. goes takes cares takes care of other things. It's like they literally got it built in right there. It's literally a yep. built in thing they could just do. They could just do. 
I have pitched this. We'll see if it sticks one day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and Tails has a question. Scenario. Tails finally drags Sonic to the clinic for his annual checkup, and the doctor orders him to lay off the chili dogs and start eating healthier. What's a suitable, healthy alternative to chili dogs that can keep the blue hedgehog satisfied? Is he an apples and bananas kind of guy? How about the convenience of those meal replacement beverages, such as Soylent? Or maybe he'd get hooked on vegetarian hot dogs topped with beefless chili. All I know is that not even the fastest thing alive can outrun high cholesterol. I don't know. He probably has a metabolism that allows him to eat anything and not gain a pound, you jerk! Probably. That's not really how metabolism works, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Sonic really is a picky eater. Like, I could see him enjoying just about anything. He likes food. Or, or you know, if he doesn't enjoy it, then he's not going to, you know, ham and haul on it. I think he's more of a pick-up-and-go type of guy. So, yeah, fruits or ready-to-eat vegetables or stuff like that. You know, pre-made sandwich. He'd be more eager to go for those because he can eat that on the go or have it quick and then move on. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd have to be really good to make him sit down for a minute, but it's possible. <laughs> that sounds like but a in terms of sounds like a boom sonic plot but it wouldn't be chili dogs it would be med burgers so. nah. <laughs> but in terms of health food i figure he eats a fairly balanced diet like he it's whatever he can get his hands on while he's on the go yeah it's just chili dogs you know they're so delicious and you can carry them around really sucks when they get all over your gloves though that's annoying yeah. Run fast enough, everything just kind of blows off in the wind. <laughs> yeah, but then you, the chili goes, slides right off there. You don't want that. No, he eats it fast enough. <sighs> okay, that's right. He does eat it like two, two, two or even one bite. He just jams it in his throat. <sighs> Weird. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Pew Pew Awoo. Was Whisper an extrovert pre-trauma or more of a social introvert? Liking, liking people, but needing to control socialization to not tire out. If the former, is she now actually an introvert or more of a solitary extrovert, needing contact, but shy? I don't like any of those labels. She was a happy-go-lucky person before, and then the trauma wrecked her. If you want to find labels to add to that, be my guest, whatever works in your headcanon, but I don't really think any of those are properly defining for her the whole introvert and extrovert thing is honestly it seems to be viewed more like a binary thing but it's definitely more of like a sliding scale Um, that and i don't see that factoring into ptsd no i yeah that's true yeah that's right ptsd is a whole different beast so yeah and that makes more sense i agree Here's one from Pandolce. Hi, Ian. I know that Mr. Tinker was short-lived, but is there a fun anecdote of his time in Windmill Village that you could share with us? Oh, I don't know. I imagine there were a number of instances of him offering to fix things and people being very scared of what he will fix them with or into, and then being very surprised that he actually fixed it, like he said he was going to do. (laughs) One guy in the village who was perpetually convinced that it was all just a scam, all just this long-running con. Why don't you people see it? Don't love him! Don't love him! And then, you know, he gets his doors fixed and his drawer fixed and the bed fixed and the roof fixed and, okay, you know what? (laughs) Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe Mr. Tinker can be trustworthy. And then the metal virus happens and he's vindicated. (laughs) Wait, that's not funny. That's sad. That sounds like Sticks. <laughs> like it's Sticks. Sticks is the one do- who's <laughs> saying, "No, <laughs> see, it's him. It's him. He's bad." And then you know, he actually fixes something for her. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Here's one from Off Omega versus Metal Sonic. Who wins? Metal Sonic kind of has to. I don't know. I mean, it's a hell, it's a hell of a fight. Whoever, whoever loses, 
we all win for bearing witness to it, I think. <laughs> I mean, Metal Sonic has never really successfully beaten Sonic. Right. But Omega canonically beat Shadow. Yeah. And if Shadow and Sonic are comparable in power, that suggests Omega would be able to beat Sonic. Ergo, he'd be able to defeat Metal Sonic. Hmm. 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 It's a tough call. If if you don't think my math checks out, comment in the video below. I was just saying that because of marketing. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> like, that. Too. Metal Sonic is more marketable than Omega. I love oh, Omega. Yeah, if we're, if we're lo- talking about series during Metal Sonic's got it in the bag. Love I love Omega to death, but I mean he's like they're never going to make it make him trounce Metal Sonic if they were to fight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that would work. But it, if just in story context, I don't know, man. It would be one heck of a battle though. Would be incredible. <laughs> uh, now I want to see it. And our last question before we take a quick break comes to us courtesy of Nemrick. Tangle and Whisper go to McDonald's. What do they order? Also, would Tangle demand one of the cool toys? So Tangle would get the Happy Meal because she wants the toy. Whisper would be upset that they don't serve wraps anymore. So she'd just get like apple slices and wait for them to get something better on the way home. <laughs> But Tangle would get the toy and just kind of take whatever she gets because that's nice. But Whisper would be like, but didn't you want the cool toy? Well, yeah, but, you know, it's random. So, no, no, no. I will get you the cool toy. Excuse me. She ordered a Happy Meal and should get the cool toy. Whisper, it's fine. Really? No. You wanted the cool toy. They're going to give you the cool toy. It's in the bin. I can see it. Give us the cool toy. (laughs) I thought she would, like, just sneak over. Like... <laughs> be a spy mission for her to go in behind She's the not counter. Gonna steal, Kyle. Come now. <laughs> She's not a petty thief. Oh. She's an assassin. Oh, okay. That's better. World's different. <laughs> yes, that's better. That's much better. <laughs> uh, yes. Whisper kills. Good. <laughs> the difference buying one's a prof- one's a profession and the other one's petty larceny. Yep. 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 Okay. Fine. Okay, fine. Whisper has standards. <laughs> she truly does. <laughs> uh, man, Team Fortress Two. Still love those characters, you know. They're still yeah. great. They're still great. Oh man, does Tails work at McDonald's? Well, clearly, we've seen it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, just wondering. <laughs> uh, that marketing worked a little too well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I especially like the like three paragraph long explanation of why the ice cream machine is down. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can totally hear him saying that exactly too. Like, mm-hmm. like it sounds absolutely like something he would say. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and maybe this episode will happen to have a McDonald's ad in the middle of it. You're going to find out right here on the Bumblecast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, give us money. (laughs) (laughs) And we are back with a question from Yoshi Milkman. So I'm curious to know, Ian and Kyle, what do you guys think of Super Mario 64? It would be interesting to hear the perspective of someone who was actually alive when it came out. As someone who mods the game all the time, I'd like a fresh view on it. Oh, thank you, Yoshi Milkman. <laughs> I now feel my age. <laughs> I was 10 years old when that game came out. You see, when I was a child, we only had two dimensions. Yep. And then they added a third, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Literally, they could finally add in downhills. <laughs> Except, you know, they had downhills, but... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I do remember wondering how you're supposed to move in 3D with a controller. <laughs> like, how how would you even do that? Such an extreme and crazy idea and i also remember getting a tension headache from just trying to land on that freaking pole that's got the chomp chomp attached to it (laughs) (sighs) well i mean they don't make it exactly easy to line up your jumps no it's still not really even in modern 
games, but I mean, Mario 64 set the standard for so much that came after. Absolutely. That a lot of its faults can kind of be forgiven because mm-hmm. it was a literal tra- trailblazer. And honestly, like, in terms of its faults, like there were m- much, much more egregious examples of just really bad 3D platformers mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to even Mario 64 around that time. So like Mario 64 holds up quite well in in comparison. I mean, it's a solid enough foundation that all 3D Mario has basically been iterations of that since. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, it, it was kind of a family game. We, My dad and my brother and I all tag-teamed that thing to get all 120 stars, compared notes, said, I am having trouble with this one. Can you do it? You know, bought the strategy guide and were, like, studying it like a tome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Same. <laughs> I don't know. It Now that it's on the expansion pass on the Switch, um, I tried going back to it a bit, and part of it is the way that the buttons are mapped on the oh, pro controller are no, garbage. The, the, no, that's not the way to play. That's not the way to it's play N64. It is. Yes. You can do the global remap thing, but that only helps so much. It's mm, no, 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 no. And I'm not shelling out money to buy another N64 controller for nostalgia's sake. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You can just get a I mean, USB already... adapter for one you already have. That would probably be easier. Mm. So, that's part of it, but I was never that good at it to begin with, and I found it really frustrating. But I also remember just the sense of awe mm-hmm. at how expansive it was at the time. You know, just running around the courtyard outside of the castle and finding new hills, finding the moat and the stream, and you know, finding ways to climb the castle itself. This I this level of freedom that you had mm-hmm. was unprecedented, and it always kind of gave you this sense of what's over the horizon. Yeah. What else is there? This is just mind-blowing at the time. And now it's very quaint, of course. <laughs> the levels felt massive back then. But, oh, yeah, I got uh, lost on the bomb battlefield. But, I had no idea where I was. Yeah, but, I mean, now you kind of go back to it. It's like, oh, there it is. It's, a little, yeah. it's just a little, like, a tiny little square area. How cute. <laughs> yes. I remember the original Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time, and it's like, yep. how can you make something this massive? Yep. My God, how are you supposed to remember where anything is? It feels ginormous, yep. And now it's like, oh. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, coming off of the 2D stuff... Oh, yeah. Which was revolutionary then. And then to have something that really is an open world, largely free to do as you please game was just mind boggling. We're we're kind of spoiled for choice these days. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of those games. It's a it's a seminal game. I love Mario 64. It is definitely it's flawed as heck, though. Like it is a game that. The initial, like, the starting, the starting areas, maybe, like, the initial, I don't know, nine, ten worlds are super fun and uh, very interesting. Actually, no, you know what? Actually, I'll, t- I'll say the first, like, 12, 13 worlds are great. But uh, TikTok Clock and, uh, <laughs> and the uh, Rainbow Ride, um, those were kind of cop-outs, honestly. like they weren't very those seemed those levels seemed particularly rushed um especially because they just reused the slide music like what the heck is up with that it's like that was like i think they were crunching at the last minute there for and those two levels suffered because of it so those two in particular are always like the ones that stand out to me like oh kind of a kind of just a so it's it's definitely one of those cases where the the front it's very front loaded with the good stuff, and then you get further in and it's like okay okay when it all right this sucks. <laughs> it's still a great game though, obviously, and there's still a lot to like even in the later game. So, 
Um, oh, what else about it? The music is amazing, of course. Um, I wasn't really thrown off nearly as much with the 3D control just because I was playing games on PC before then. And I was playing like, I'd played like flight simulator games and racing games and stuff that had already been using 3D or 3D-esque engines with a joystick. So I kind of understood how joystick positioning worked. So I was able to more easily wrap my head around it. Um, But it was still just wild to see Mario running around in 3D and actually be able to hear him have his voice coming out of my speakers in the game, (laughs) in a game, you know? It's like, whoa, it's Mario. I was was the N64 kid. The only difference was is that uh, they didn't film me and put it on the internet. (laughs) But I was definitely the N64 Christmas kid because I actually opened... My grandma got me an N64 and Mario 64 for Christmas, and I was actually disappointed at first because I opened Mario 64 first. (laughs) <laughs> but not the not the console <laughs> so i'm like oh grandma i don't have this i don't have the system to play this on and she's like oh i'm sorry and then i kept going <laughs> i opened up another one i'm like Nintendo 64 <laughs> it's it's the 64 grandma's uh, like congratulations you played yourself yep i did oh <laughs> uh, yeah yep yep and she loved the game too. Mostly, she liked the music, especially the Dire Dire Docks theme, legendary, amazing theme. So, yeah, good times, good times. Fantastic game, still holds up. There's definitely a reason why so many people are like hacking it and bringing it to modern consoles. There's a reason why it's endured. Absolutely. All right, here's a question from Dove: Werehogs are a thing, but are other were creatures? Is actual lycanthropy a thing in the Sonic universe? Is vampirism? Is Starline actually a vampire? Is Kyle really a werewolf? Am I asking too many questions at once? Uh, I'm going to only answer one of those, and that's the last one. That's yes. Moving on. No, I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. (laughs) Well, considering how many questions Dove has in the queue, you might not be joking. (laughs) (laughs) They have have a lot. We love you, Dove, but you have a lot. (laughs) Yeah, the werehog was a thing, but you don't that's have kind to, of a unique thing. You don't have to stop, by the way. We we need questions. This is this is a show that survives solely on questions. So <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. The werehog is kind of a unique thing. Like we didn't really see any other were critters with dark eye exposure. And we haven't seen a lot of that sort of stuff, ghosts aside, so I don't think we have vampires or anything else. What about yet? Shadow? No, he's just goth. But he has the vampire outfit. Yes, that's because Rouge conned him into dressing up for Halloween. Oh. You said this was tactical gear. Oh. Am I a werewolf? Camouflage. Are you a werewolf? Are you a vampire? Are you it. anything cryptid? I might be a werewolf. Have you ever seen me at midnight? Have you ever seen me during a full moon at midnight? I don't know. I have not. I have not either. I have not. I haven't either. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I was sleeping, but I mean, who knows? (laughs) I don't know what goes on. I'm just as confused as you are. (laughs) Am I a vampire? Um, Maybe. You don't know. Knowing smile, maybe. (laughs) Here's one from Pedanticat. So, Ian, it recently occurred to me that since Blaze is Sonic of the Soul Dimension, Marine is the Tails of that dimension, do you think there are dimensional counterparts of other characters from Sonic's world? If so, what do you think some of them would be like? There are parallels, but I hesitate to say that they are counterparts, because then that kind of precludes a whole extended cast on Blaze's world that's just hitting those points, and that's kind of boring. I mean, it's certainly easy to fill in those blanks, but like it, I don't like that idea from a creative standpoint. We already had that anyway with another certain series where they couldn't get creative, so they just did. Oh, they're these characters. They're your characters you love, but they're evil. 
I mean, it also blazes the guardian of the soul emeralds. And does that mean she's also analog to knuckles? She's, yeah. She's kind of like, it's, it's weird. She's like kind of both. So it's, it's not a perfect one-to-one. So why lock her into this mindset of she is alter Sonic, you know, but let blaze be her thing. And certainly there's parallels. There's not, it's kind of fun to see those, but I wouldn't want to say that they are, you know, the actual counterparts. Therefore there must be, a knuckles of the soul dimension and a shadow of the soul dimension and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, I agree. Kind of, kind of weird to pigeonhole her into just being in direct analog of Sonic when there's not quite, that's not quite, there's, there's a bit more substance to that, but Hey, no love blaze though. Here's one from Sonic, Sonic, Sonic. Why are Surgeon Kit programmed to not have free will, and why are they not programmed to be loyal to Starline to keep them from betraying Starline? Well, that's the whole discussion he had with Zavok back in Bad Guys, and part of his dissertation to himself is that if he made something 100% programmed and robotic, it wouldn't have the versatility that he wants in terms of a minion. So that's why he spent so much time brainwashing Surgeon Kit, and they are meant to be loyal. He tried very hard to make that stick, but that's the problem when you have someone with free will is that they aren't going to necessarily follow directions, no matter how much you abuse and train them. <laughs> well, Starline's learning a hard lesson. <laughs> Sucks to be him. Yeah, he had it coming. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. <laughs> Here's a question from Godzilla. When Sonic Channel releases its amazing art of the characters, how hard do you have to resist from going, dropping all the things must write about Blue Hedgehog and Company? Because I feel like if I was writing, I would be hard-pressed not dropping whatever I was doing to write about them. Teach us your ways of self self-control. <laughs> self-control. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in this in this economy uh, <laughs> i mean right now i've got so many irons in the fire it's like i i don't have enough brain juice you tr- you do you really have a lot going around. on so it's like oh that's really cool i can't even think about it right now back to this thingy <laughs> but i'm i'm busy enough with enough sonic projects that that itch stays fairly thoroughly scratched yeah you ever get tired of sonic <laughs> i knew need to take a break every now and again and everyone needs to take a break from work well of course yeah every so often and you know there'll be a time where it's like you know what i just need to not think sonic for a little bit and it will be an interesting 24 72 hours and it's like, oh, that'd be a really cool Sonic idea. Dad gummit, now I've put another game document together that will never see the light of day. <laughs> Stop that. We don't have time. <laughs> I had right. an idea for a very simple whisper mobile game last night, and it's like, oh well, there's another idea that will never see fruition because I have neither the time nor the talent. Sad. Mm. <clears throat> Darn. Well, at least we have this question here from Joey the Sonic fan. Ian Flynn, would Wendy Nagus have remained an Egg Boss permanently, or would she have eventually betrayed Eggman or gotten betrayed by him? Um, I don't think we had mapped her out that far. I mean, she was, she had a thing for Eggman, so I could see her being somewhat loyal, but she was also a very independent and driven monster. So I could see her trying to break away as well, but I don't think we had anything concrete planned after her last appearance. Wendy and August don't need no man. <laughs> it's going to be weird when the day comes that, you know, we see some other incarnation of her and it's not remotely connected to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's one from the key. Has Dr. Light made upgrades or countermeasures for Megman following the Ramon incident? Like EMP shielding akin to Protoman's? Yes, that was part of the story. You, you see him get the EMP coding. I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, yeah sure. he's a whole big old tube of green goo. Yummy, yummy. Goopy. 
Here's one from The Cartoonist. Question for both of you. How can a creative ensure misaimed fandom is kept to a minimum without going avalicious on the audience? For instance, how people glorify Fight Club when it's meant to be a satire on the absurd ideas of masculinity. Is there a way to mitigate that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because there's this whole it's, thing of author intent versus audience perception we've talked I mean, about before. Yeah, it's death of the author, baby. Yeah, pretty much. Like you, you've once you've released it out into the world, you no longer have any control over it. So, and and the way people interpret have, it will be wildly different. Could be wildly different from what you originally intended. Yeah. So, so even if you have the author clearly and implicitly state their intention, you will have people who consume it saying. They don't know their own work. I actually understand it better. Mm-hmm. My interpretation is better. There's nothing you can do about that. Even the Bumblecast is my attempt to put out at least a baseline understanding of stuff. And in some cases, as far as I understand it, with the caveat of I can be wrong and things change. And that still is not like ironclad because people will present uh, their interpretation of the show, you know, not an actual link, not an actual transcription, but what mm-hmm. they think I said, or they will transcribe it and not do it accurately or, or, or they or, will or, transcribe it, but it will be a completely made up transcription that has nothing, <laughs> no bearing at all to do with what is actually talked about. And yes, this has happened. <laughs> so it, you can't, you can't police human perception. No. So the best you can do is present yourself and your material as best you can uh, engage with the fandoms in the most positive way and cultivate that and hope that the more negative or toxic areas kind of sequester themselves or die on the vine. But you cannot actively stop it from happening. Yeah, no, that's unfortunately, I mean, well, I guess that's I guess it's kind of a blessing and a curse in a way because you know on one hand you get to see how people interpret things differently and sort of how they come at things from a different point of view and a different understanding through their own experiences and stuff but other times it's like no you're just you're just wrong <laughs> like you're literally <laughs> just incorrect <laughs> you 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 are you are not right you are factually wrong. Uh, but there's nothing you can really do about that. So it's unfortunate, but like you said, the best you can do is just put the facts out there as well as you can and hope that uh, people understand that and don't end up misinterpreting the way you explain it or intentionally in- misinterpret something. So, yeah, uh, It's frustrating, but... I know. There's one from Quaggle, Quaggle Gaggle. <laughs> AKA the Hobo Joe, apparently. I didn't realize they were the same person. Good to oh. know. Good to know. Good to know. So, yes. Good old Quaggle Gaggle. I like that name better, to be honest. <laughs> I That one is fun. Yes. It's very fun. It's very fun. It's very fun. A while ago, IDW announced that they were doing a comic prequel to Sonic Movie 2, but I never saw your name attached to it. Is there another? Is this another knowing smile moment, or are you generally not involved with that project? If not, I'm generally surprised you weren't asked to be involved. Yeah, I'm just not attached to the movie in any way, outside of knowing things, but that's more of a happy accident. Um, and I don't know, I find it kind of funny. <laughs> and also it's kind of fun because I get to enjoy the movie as just, you know, a fan of Sonic. I right. don't have to necessarily think about it as work or anything. It's just, oh, this is a fun Sonic thing and I can just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know too much. You know too much. I mean, part of it might be I'm very busy with other Sonic stuff, but, you know, yep. I don't feel like I'm slighted or overlooked or anything. Uh, I mean, you're writing the next game. I don't know how overlooked you can actually be. 
Oh no, I'm only contributing to a pillar of the franchise. Yes. Woe is me. The, the main one the main pillar of the franchise, literally. Like Poor Babby. Oh no. Oh no, poor Ian. How could you? You're so you're so you're so lost. You're so ignored. <laughs> Here's a question from Scurvy Pirate Hog. Oh, nope. Sorry, I missed one. Sorry, Scurvy. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. <laughs> Here's one from Happy Times. How do you imagine a meeting slash battle between Surge and Movie Sonic would go down? Particularly with how Movie Sonic can also generate electricity with his body. I don't know if it's like real electricity. I think it was just more like zappy power. That's electricity, buddy. Well, yeah. <laughs> zappy powers? Yeah, it's electricity, buddy. I don't know. What else do you call it? <laughs> I don't know. To me, it just seems like speed force energy. Like, does that mean Knuckles is throwing lightning? Probably. I mean, he sh- he did shock Robotnik's machine, and yeah, he did. No, he did go zappy. He's zappy. Um, it's elect- it would not be electricity. Yes, <laughs> it, it would not be a good fight because Movie Sonic is such a good boy. And mm-hmm. Surge is a very mean and nasty individual. Ooh. Like modern Sonic, he's been through the paces. He knows how to fight. He he knows to just mix it up if he needs to. Movie Sonic is a little more innocent, so it, it would not go well for him, I don't think. This might be the first time you see Sonic and and blood <laughs> at that point. Oof. Would be rough. Would not be a not be a good fight. I mean, it might be a good fight, but it would be brutal. <laughs> Oof. Mm. And finally, except not finally, because we have one more after this one. We got a question here from Scurvy Pirate Hog. So I was watching some clips of the first Spider-Man movie, in particular the scene where Norman Osborn talks with the Green Goblin in the mirror, and it got me thinking. If they could meet each other through multiversal shenanigans, time travel, or just split personality stuff... How do you suppose a meeting between Eggman and Mr. Tinker would go? Um, Tinker would be horrified of Eggman. <laughs> and I think Eggman would also be horrified of Tinker. Like, what is, what is, what have I become? Disgusted. What have I become? What have I become? <laughs> it's kind of a novelty that, oh, that's a part of my psyche. How interesting. I wonder how I can compartmentalize or excise that so it doesn't ever crop up again. But Eggman, at his core, is a bully, and Mr. Tinker is a softy. So you would have Eggman bullying Tinker terribly. Well, that's mean. He's mean. Okay, fine. I guess. I can't argue with that. But what I cannot argue with also is that uh, we are at the last question for this episode, and it's from Professor Rye, my arch nemesis, coming at me again. <laughs> Arch Nemesis, when did this happen? Keep up, man. You gotta pay attention. <laughs> it, it, it it never did. <laughs> <laughs> Where are Knuckles' ears? Underneath his dreadlocks, obviously. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought maybe he's just earless. He hears with his nose, maybe. Maybe that's how he how he uh no, I mean he feels the Master's Emerald power through his feet, so that's a good point. Yeah, maybe it's like tough, but he, you know, hears the he hear, he he hears stuff instead of sees stuff through the ground. Hmm. Maybe they're under his hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. That's enough. Yeah, we've had more than enough. More than enough. Honestly, get out of here before we go. But uh, 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 not yet, sir. Okay, we have fine. To get- Big thank you to all 107 patrons from Patreon.com and from Kofi.com, both backslash Bumblecast, whose generous donations continue to make this show possible. A big thank you to 
Daniel H, Alex P, James K, John B, Jennifer R, Robotnik Holmes, Samuel P, Sam Cybercat, Torchbound, Mike B, Coupling Crew 128, DK, Duiz Dizden, Dave M, Andrew D, Off, Salute Cat, Scruffy Matt, J Frost, Chris A, Sony, Hero of Light 13, John M, Noni, Jib, Don B, Yami M, Ryan D, Lee HK, Lisa M, Chevelle, Blue Title Gamer, Invade Turbo Tunis, Ben W, Fiona M, Tick Tick, Final Neil, Xander Oni the Painter, Jonathan D, Fire Red XY, Dadler the Dalek, Chaos Universe, Sonic Legacy, Godzilla, Nimric, Daniel B, Pedanticat, Solaris Stain, Dove, Red the Supernamic, Pen Dolce, The Name is X, Quaggle Gaggle, Chad, Nathan J, Ava Arctic, Jennifer H, Les Preston M, Axis, Alphamon, or you can Professor Rye, Sapphire Scarletta, Cameron H, Noah S, Chase L, Scurvy Pirate Hog, Kojiro Highwind, Red W, Joey the Sonic Fan, Callum Q, Kimiko, Radri, Owen B, D, Just a Mountain Soul, Ty H, Maddie H, T Ranger Crooker, N Zephyr, KJB, Louis J, Mox and Tails, Dream Boaten, Rusty Cook, Four Sonic Fan, Chaos Voltage, Techno Cinema, Derusival, Jolene B, Expired Bread 12, The Marble Gardener, Lacey M, Unlikely Veronica, Finest Cacophony, Arc Fighter, Michael P, Spiral Warrior, Aelx 120, Goosey the Tentai, Agent Kaz, TK, Pew Pew Awoo, Yoshi Milkman, and Happy Times. <laughs> pew Pew Awoo! I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you all so much for your love and your support and your... Uh... Your questions, most importantly, because without questions, it would just be me and Ian sitting here with uh, nothing to do. <laughs> so, thank you. That's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Bumblecast. We'll see you Wednesday for the standard Q&A. Until then, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we will see you then. Don't tell me what to do. It, it's a friendly suggestion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <sighs> Still, not my dad. Can't tell me what to do. I don't know. Have you seen me and your dad in the same room at the same time at a full moon at midnight? <laughs> Kyle, I'm your werewolf father. <laughs> pew, pew. Don't feed the Ian after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad, bad time. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Mad Donalds. There we go. There's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bad. sorry, I'm not authorized to give you the cool toy. <laughs> at best, yes. Yes. And Colleen doing the lemon speeches tales from Portal 2. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. A little bit of culture shock I had when I moved to Toronto. So, you know the ad campaign, it's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. Yeah. Same ad campaign, same packaging, same product. Different brand. But up here, it's called Delicio. Oh. Same font, same everything. It's just, they don't call it DiGiorno up here. They call it Delicio. (laughs) Yeah. Canada's weird like that. It was one of those, like, Mandela effect, Berenstein, Berenstein moments. It was like... (laughs) I swear to you, it was DiGiorno! And Lee's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, it's real! <laughs> and then I think we happened to catch a commercial while we were in the States, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> See? Told you. Oh, yeah, now she got thrown yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is, like, DiGiorno a name or something they didn't, they couldn't use? I, weird. I don't know. Weird. Weird chips that reminds me does do they still have tombstone pizza or did that fade away yeah no it's still here okay they still have it tombstone (sighs) is still here pretty much every main frozen pizza brand is still around tony's red baron DiGiorno, tombstone uh yeah elio's yeah they're they're all there they're all Hmm. there You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org.
Before we get started, quick PSA for everybody that's listening. If you happen to be in a shopping center area and you call for a taxi to pick you up, have them pick you up in the parking lot in front of a readily identifiable storefront and not on the side of a major through fair in the city in the five o'clock weekend rush traffic in the rain. Not only will you not block all the traffic, but the driver will be less inclined to pull a U-turn across four lanes of traffic and the turn lane, thus further delaying things. <laughs> oh no. What did you do? I sat there patiently. Oh. And watched everything unfold. Okay. <laughs> I have time to run errands before Bumblecast. That's no problem. I have time. I had time. <laughs> nope, not <anymore>. move. <laughs> uh, doing your errands. I just never leave the house. That's easy. It's <laughs> a lot easier. Okay, I, that's a lie. I have to go get food. I mean, I could have it delivered, but that costs more money than just going to mm. go get it. So I had to get a particular piece of hardware, and I didn't want to a wait for shipping, b rely on shipping, or c put in an online order and oops, they have to process it for 24 hours or something. It's like, Uh I know they have it in stock. Just go get it and get back. 